Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Faith here with your podcast, Welcome Toast. A great way to lose weight is to eat naked in front of a mirror. Listen to our show in small bites or enjoy the whole thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to join us and eat, drink, and be merry. My treasured food buddies are here, senior contributors Chris Brosberry, Alex Province, and Mark Raymond, and Robin Doyan Aiken, our senior producer. Hey, everybody. Hey. 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 So I wanted to get us going with this idea of summer pork chops. Ooh. You know, we don't think about lamb so much in the summer. I don't know why, because they're delicious in the summer. But in any case, I I think we don't talk about pork chops enough. We talk about burgers and steak, and we will as the weeks go on. (laughs) Swordfish and shrimp and all that stuff. But pork chops with that crust There's so many different things things. you can do with pork chops, too. So, Alex Province, you have a thing you've been doing with pork chops. So I love cast iron fried pork chops. Even in this season. Inside, but run the fan. So your house doesn't get smoky. And, you know, fat pork chops look so neat at the store. But I have found that the thinner pork chops actually give more crust to, like, protein ratio. So you get, like, more of the fun brown crust, less of the dry middle. Mm. And I, like, bone in. Salt, pepper, cayenne, dust it with flour. Meanwhile... If you're gluten-free, you can use cornstarch to dust it. Go ahead. Meanwhile, the oven is on 400. A cast iron pan with butter is getting nice and hot. On the Mm. stovetop? On the stovetop. Fans running. You have to. Keeping the fire alarms from going off. I gently put the pork chop in the butter. I don't touch it for three minutes. And then with tongs... What are we cooking on? Sort of medium, medium Mm, high? Medium high. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I don't think you can really burn it. So you want a crust on there. Yeah, you want that, like, brown crust, not black. Crispy. Flip it over Mm. with tongs and then immediately into the oven, a 400-degree hot oven. So you flip it and then you go into Mm -hmm. the oven to cook the other side. The other side and... Why do you do it that way? Well, because the gentle oven heat cooks the inside. You know, there's still residual heat in the pan to toast. Well, it. how thick was this pork chop when you put it in? So mine, it's, remember growing up like, like in the 70s, stuff was skinnier? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Three quarters of an inch is the regular pork chop. The and then all size, of a sudden that style started getting about. bigger and now bigger and yeah, bigger. I saw one the other day that was three inches. <laughs> if you flip it over, won't it cook through? Oh, five, yeah. Five minutes, on, uh, three minutes on one mm. side and then cook it, flip it over. Will it cook all the way through? There's something about cooking in the oven. It's, it's not as harsh. Moist. Yeah, it keeps the moisture. It The it's, intense it's like heat compresses just, the yeah. heat as and, opposed to just mm-hmm. from one side. Yeah. yeah. And then you're getting it all around. Mm-hmm. So, and the key is uh, once you take it out of the oven, and it's like six to ten minutes, and you know you have to use some common sense and a thermometer, I put it on a rack, and then I tent it. And then I pour out some of the fat from the cast iron, <laughs> and then I make a white gravy in that. So oh, oh, here we go. A little flour, a little cayenne, salt, pepper, 
brown it with some butter, some oh. milk, whisk Ooh. it together, and that on you mashed potatoes with a pork chop and some green beans. You are oh, yeah. so good boy. Yeah, you, you, got some, go. you got some kind of Texas in you, I, I think. I think so. Like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's talk about how to summify this pork chop, Chris. All right. Any pork chop I have, this is one thing I learned a long time ago, and I love doing it, with, especially with pork chops, is I do a quick brine. Okay. Yeah, right? so, absolutely. And it's very simple. Three tablespoons of salt. That's kosher salt or a little less if you're using table salt. Three tablespoons of kosher salt, three cups of water. It's real simple. Stir it all three up. Three and three. Three and yep. three. Just remember that. And then take your pork chops and put it in that up to four hours. But if you don't have a lot of time. What's the shortest time? 20 minutes to half an hour. In the fridge. doesn't even have to be in the fridge if your water's cold. Right. So just boom. And that, believe it or not, starts your cooking process. Right? right, because that so it helps. goes from pink yeah. to sort well, of white. It sort of pulls them, starts pulling the juices out. It really gets it ready. It cooks much faster and much easier. So no matter what I do, whether I'm grilling, your yeah. method too, try this, because in that 30 minutes, because especially the thin ones, that salt right will start pulling the juices out. Uh-huh. But then it reaches a point where the juices will get sucked back in, and when it goes back in, it brings that salt water oh. in with it, okay. and you're basically seasoning the inside. Ooh. Now, if you yeah. are he Mark likes oh, this. Yeah. Mark. Yep. So if you're someone who buys your pork in the supermarket, a lot of supermarket pork has a neutral taste. Mm-hmm. It tastes like, I don't know, nothing. It tastes like protein. It's, it's of, good. I, I like it. Yep. However, if you get, you know, small farm, family farm raised pork, that has a real flavor. Chris, would you do your brining technique even with uh, farmer's yes. market pork? Yep, totally. No matter what it's it not is. A, to me, it's not so much flavor. It's about enhancing flavor, yeah. right? So I'm not trying to take the flavor out of my pork chop because... No, I, I think you're trying to yeah, put it in. I'm adding, a, I'm just seasoning the inside as well. Right. And mm-hmm. it cooks more evenly, stays juicier. It's to me. Does I it get, change cooking time? Yeah, it makes it a lot faster. And as the older I, you know, my thing is the, old, the older I get, the, the less fuss I want. I don't want to yeah. tent. I don't want to, right? I just want to cook and eat. Well, tent is easy. Tent is easy, but it's time. And it's, I just, no fuss. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No fuss. Just 30 minutes in the thing, boom, and you're done. You like the bone, though. Got to have the bone. All right. Yeah. All right. Wait a minute. And, I want a shot of this. Go for it. I want a shot of this. Go for it. All right. Because, you yours. know, everybody's always looking for another reason to use chimichurri. Right? <gasps> so you got Ooh. that garlic, olive oil, parsley, maybe Salt. a little paprika in there, a little lemon. crushed red pepper. Some lemon. Yeah, mm. some lemon zest in there. Oh. So I will take those same brined pork chops, mm-hmm. probably maybe an inch, inch and a half. I do love them with the bone, mm. like Alex does. Flavor. And I'll take them, I'll mm. pat them dry. And then I will just lather them in chimichurri. I like that, too. And Before this, you've cooked them? Oh, yeah. Before <gasps> I cooked them. Tell I, me. And then I'll put them on the wood-fired grill. So how I work my wood-fired grill, I've got the pizza oven right next door. So that's where I get my coals from. I get the fire started ahead of time. And, you know, I've got all those wonderful little red coals. You're not cooking over flame. And I'll move those over to the wood-fired grill. And then I lower the grate really low, maybe about five inches above those coals. And I'll throw those pork chops on there, and it just sizzles immediately. But you're not cooking over flame. You've just got these embers that are just just crisping that chimichurri and that olive oil and the garlic are getting caramelized on the outside. 
and then you flip them over, you do the second side, and then I throw them into the cast iron skillet and throw it back into that pizza oven for about three minutes. Oh, right. now wait, just to make sure it finishes off. He keeps inviting. Notice he keeps no, no, no. He keeps inviting us over, but yet now he's throwing that at us. So how do we translate this? Because we don't have your gorgeous stuff. How do we translate this for the home cook, Chris? What do we do? Could you put chimichurri on the uh, pork chop and then put it in a hot skillet? Mm-hmm. You could, yeah. And you would it be careful? Crust, well, you'd be careful though, because now you've got direct heat underneath, and and you've got yeah, oil, yeah, and yeah, you've got yeah. so got the, where oil. you can where you can could kind of replicate it is with a hibachi yep. or a charcoal grill. Mm-hmm. You can do it similar that you way. The, uh, you run broiler in the uh, in the oven. The flame, wood. the flame doesn't char the meat too much with the olive oil in the chimichurri. Well, you're not cooking with flame with the wood-fired grill or the charcoal grill. You're cooking over embers. Yeah. So you don't get the flare-up that Only you would normally not, not get from a gas grill. grill. Oh, okay. A gas yeah. grill, this is not you're going to have way too much. That's why you have okay. to either, to make it, it for the home cook that doesn't have that, you'd have, charcoal fire would work, but Alex hit it. If you're going to do it and you don't have any of the heavy equipment, the broiler. Do the broiler, but you got to watch it yeah. under the broiler. Door yeah. up, open. Oh, door open. Yeah. And, and you got to watch it because and, and not right. it'll crisp up and it'll caramelize yeah. on the top. But and you, not be you know what? You can also just do your pork chop and do this chimichurri on the side. There are Absolutely. a million recipes for Absolutely. chimichurri. You I know, love it. it reminds me of in, in Salamanca, they do pinchos. And we would go to this favorite tapas place for a dollar or euro, whatever. It would be... Uh, they cook lomo, like the center cut without the bone, yeah. really thin, yep. a la plancha. So really hot iron, and then they just salt both sides, and then they'd serve it to you on a baguette, a slice of baguette. Yeah. And then they'd pour like a little water that had parsley, salt, and olive oil, and, nice. and maybe some garlic. So and, like a chimichurri. Yeah. And it would soak into the bread. The juice from the lomo oh, would oh, soak yeah. in, and you'd do a couple of those <laughs> for in a beer. You'd walk out for five euros. Absolutely. Dinner, so good. Wow. Okay, so now if we're just doing pork chops, and we're not getting all fancy about this, but we love pork chops on the grill or in a skillet, whatever way you want mm. to do them, broiler, what could we do with those pork chops that would make them feel of this time? So I keep thinking about a peach salsa. Yeah. Or, oh, that's delicious. Or in, the, in a pan, yeah. putting a little, um, with the juice from the cooking of the chops, right. putting a little peach preserves, a little sweetness. maybe a dash of, of wine, and a little touch of butter, and just stirring that up until yeah. it, the wine cooks down just a little bit, and then drizzling that on your pork chop. Chris, what I are like you thinking? I like a salad on top, too. You ever have that? You know how they oh, put yeah. pizzas with salads on top? If you get your pork chop, especially a nice thin one, put it on the plate, get your peach, make a little peach jam or peach salsa, or even if you just had some fig jam in the fridge, make a nice tossed salad, right, with a, maybe arugula, some baby greens. Fennel. Yeah, shaved fennel or whatever. Yeah. Toss it on, maybe some shaved Parmesan cheese. Put that right on the pork chop and eat it together that summer. Right, oh, that's yeah. the beginning of summer. Would you do like a little bourbon and brown sugar? There you go. Oh Something, yeah, just a, you know, because you're Good playing idea. off that sweetness, and then maybe add a little peach. You or... mean you're making a sauce? He's making mm. my salsa. Yeah, I'm, like I'm taking so your what are you idea. Thinking? What do you think? Like you're thinking salsa? peach preserves in a little pan? With peach some, preserves, yeah, maybe some, some butter, bourbon. some yeah. bourbon, yeah. Uh, maybe some cinnamon or allspice <laughs> or something, and yeah. a little mm. scoop of uh, your peach preserve and sort of whisk it and make a glaze, and then after you cook the pork chop, maybe just 
coat it a little bit and then and then sort of toast it just so the sugar caramelizes slightly. You just now, put a little dollop on each each one of those pork and chops. And I say treat the pork chop as if it's chicken. So I would want to do oh, a kind yeah. of I happen to like cilantro. Some people, you know, can't tolerate it. I like it. So I'd be doing a kind of chopped cilantro with oh, lemon nice. juice yeah. and oh, yeah. olive oil. Like fresh. Yeah. Almost like a cilantro mm. chimichurri. Right, right. You without can do that. the parsley. Yeah. So that that just because I like the flavor. Um, Is anyone doing like barbecue sauce? I'm like a, a barbecue is easy, and then I'm then there's how about the Korean barbecue, chicken, sure. barbecue, anything Texas, you know where you have. Sorry, no, I love that. <laughs> the teriyaki uh, and sesame, sure. all that stuff. Is there some? Yeah, that's a great idea. And there's yeah. a lot yeah. of store bought stuff that you don't even have to make. We're doing that's pork chops on the show. Oh yeah. Right? What what about uh, lemon? Is there some kind of treatment with lemon that oh, that? How about if you take them really thin and you bread them? And then, Ooh. you know, you make like a Milanese. Yeah. yeah. And then fresh lemon you know, on the top. Pan seared with fresh panko, lemon. Panko almost crumbs. like cold, cold yeah. cuts. And I then, mean, not cold cuts, uh, cutlets. And then I'd slice it like at an angle and I'd serve it with uh, whole wheat pasta with a little pesto. There you sure. go. Toss it together, oh. some Parmesan and that's cheese, summer, right? a thing and that's summer. little lime juice, yeah. uh, lemon juice on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I'm just ready a, for just or just a nice little side of tomato and cucumber salad. Yeah. That could be fun, too. Sometimes simple is best. Yeah. Well, let's keep going. Let's expand the sauce repertoire yeah, because yeah, whether you've sauce. got pork roast, slices of pork that you're doing on the grill or in the skillet, uh, if you're doing these pork chops, we've been talking about thicker thin. Now we're into the sauces about how we can make them interesting and keep you so that you could almost have these every night of the week if you had a pork roast, these pork steaks. Oh, yeah. And with different sauces and on them. What let's start you... with fruit because the thought of fruit with pork, it's just the Works. first thing that goes to my mind. Yeah. Uh, the peach chutney, like we were saying apple earlier. Apple cider. Apple cider. Grilled mm-hmm. peaches. Grilled apple slices. Grilled I mean, peaches. All these. So Cherries. keep going as, as far as a sauce. What other grilled fruit? Grilled plums. Blueberries. Yeah. Oh. Grilled yeah. blueberries. 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 Yes. Balsamic. 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 I like that, Robin. Okay, Robin, that's it. Okay. um, So they were building it from the beginning. So you got your pork chop, whether you brine it or bread it or fry it, whatever. And then we move into our sauces, start with a fruit, blueberry, peaches, whatever. And then acidity is next. So Robin hit it right on the head. Something that gives it a little spark. So balsamic or lemon juice. Chris, as a chef, help us to understand this. If we're not going to salt brine that pork chop... Mm -hmm. When do you add the salt during the cooking process, and how much for a single pork chop? If I'm going to grill, I over-season first, because a lot of that salt will fall into the grill, right? Because it doesn't magically stick. So when I watch people grilling and they put like an eighth of a teaspoon on one side of a pork chop, you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. if that was going to stick magically, then you might be okay, but... Most of that's going to hit the grill. So I season it right before I put it on the grill, and then I season it right after it comes off the grill. Yeah. As it's resting, I hit it with just a little shake. Both sides? Both sides. Are you using olive oil or vegetable oil, any any sort of When oil? I grill? Yeah. No, I don't. No. If you brine, you don't have to. If you don't brine, do you have to? know? because pork has a lot of fat in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same thing with the flour. You don't need to flour them either because they have enough My supermarket pork doesn't have much fat. Mm. You know, yeah, only my so, farmers yeah, give right. me the we fat. We breed it. We breed it out. And that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. And for well, some people's health yeah. issues, that's a better thing. Yeah. You know, I, but, I, that's why I love to have the bone and then that little cut of fat on the outside. There, yeah. On oh, the on the yeah. pork chops. Do you ever? I hold my pork chop up with tongs so that I 
really okay. make oh, sure I get a nice that fat crisp side. On the fat. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that I, you know, uh-huh. I'm cooking it on its edge as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. And those drip. <laughs> if it's a coal, if you have the coals and that drips onto the fire oh, or onto yeah. the coals, and then the smoke oh. hits it. Oh. That's the other yeah. thing. With Heaven. wood, you get that little smoky flavor to that it hits too, it. as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So um, one more sauce. Who's got an idea? I'm thinking you use pineapple. Yeah. Like either oh. open up a can of uh, sliced pineapples mm-hmm. and. Pour some of that sugar juice into the pan, oh, or, yeah. or you know, take mm-hmm. uh, take the slices, put them in butter, and then toast them a little bit and on use the them grill. on yep. the grill. Yep. Mm. Or, or in even your, in the cast iron broiler. skillet. In the yeah. cast you know, iron with some butter. Get that caramelized side. Yeah. Yeah. Serve them right on top of the pork chop. Oh yeah, Oof. right. Oh, so you get when you're slicing it, you get a little piece of pork <laughs> yeah. and a little piece of pineapple in every bite. Oh, Can yeah. almost do All like right. the maraschino cherry in the uh, sure, like not? a toothpick. Make it very 70s style. Oh yeah, very Charleston. Let's bring it back. I love a little that. bourbon cocktail. <laughs> right? Summer Manhattan's. Chilled Manhattan's. Frozen Manhattan's. Oh. oh. We got to do that. All right. More mouthwatering conversation and fun head on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. There are many. We are online now at foodschmooze.org. Tell us on Facebook how do you cook pork chops. So go to Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. We'll be right back. Don't let them stick. Then turn them right over because they get done quick. I'll be behind the grill doing the cooking. Just yelling at cheek when nobody's looking. We got six kicks of beer, three bells of wine. Everybody here is going to have a good time. 52 pork chops sitting on the grill. Don't eat them, or we sure will. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready. You know, there are live listeners. If you're a live listener, that is so fantastic. If you are someone who wants to listen on your schedule, we call it the podcast copy. It's just a free copy of the show. We will send it to you. Just go to foodschmooze.org. You sign up once, and it comes to you in your inbox. There's no tricks. There's nothing about it. I am with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province, wine broker Mark Raymond. Hey, everybody. Hey, Faith. Uh, If you are going into New York, there is this place called Pop Bar. Oh, um, Do It's on on Carmine Street. Sounds like it has to do with alcohol, but it doesn't. It's about ice cream. Pop Bar has gelato that comes on a stick. But they're doing this thing where they, they do an ice cream sandwich variation on a stick. I mean, have you ever had that? I no. realized I no. have never had an ice cream sandwich on a stick. Not on a stick, no. So they take these cookies, these chocolate cookies that are kind of crispy, crunchy, and then they smear them with chocolate. 
and then applied to each side of the bar. They've got either ice cream or sorbet or whatever you want. You could dip it. They dip it in chocolate for you mm-hmm. if you want. They'll roll it in nuts for you after that. You can kind of play with it, but it is. It's called a pop witch. This is pop an witch. ice cream pop sandwich witch. on a stick. Hmm. And I like um, that. So, oh, I love that. So that's at Car- <laughs> 5 Carmine Street at Pop Bar in New York City. Gotta make sure New you York walk by just, that in the summer. Yeah. It's quite an amazing place, isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. incredible. Anybody doing avocado on the grill? I uh, haven't done them on the grill. Yeah. Oh, I make grilled avocado so good. guacamole. Yeah. Oh, I like really? that. Really? Yeah. How does that go? I grill the avocado. So I cut them in half, and then mm-hmm. I don't scoop them, right? I leave them in the shell, and I just grill that. Cut side. Cut yeah. side so down. Cut yeah. side down. And I just grill that one side to get it nice and charred. And then I take onions and tomatoes and put them on the grill. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? yeah. So that's done. And then I take a little bit of garlic, throw it in the food processor, and then I throw all that other stuff in the food so processor. So it has a smoky quality? It has a smoky, charred quality. And I can't take 100% credit for it because I got it from a friend of mine who wrote my favorite cookbook on earth. A man, a can, and a plan. <laughs> Boy, it's so good. You're adding any smoke, uh, chipotle? Pepper? No, no, I, no, because you get enough smoke off the grill. All you do is put it in the food processor, and then I put mm-hmm. fresh lime yeah. and some salt. And does it make oh. it chunky enough? Do it you like just, it chunky I or pulse. Smoke? I just either or. If you like <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, that's the pulse. You got <laughs> <laughs> Then you don't. Then you get it chunky, <laughs> or you <laughs> go, <laughs> and then you get it smooth. Oh, you can't so do either. the because well, well, then it's creamy. Well, that some people like it that way. I don't. I like it chunky. I like it chunky. And this is on tortillas. Could you hand cut everything and just kind of? Totally hand cut it. Yeah. But I'm lazy and I put it on the food processor and go. Any yeah, sour cream? One more time. One more time. No. Three times. A little no sour cream? cream. No, no, just plain. No, and no the sour cream keeps smokies. it from going yellow. brown. Right? So does the lime. Brown? Yeah, but so does the lime juice. The okay. lime juice. Cilantro? Right. Um, yeah, oh, forgot the cilantro. Thank you. Yeah. Big handfuls of cilantro. Yeah. And if like you at least don't three. Like, this is like lavender. Half the population yeah, likes it, half doesn't. doesn't. What could you use instead of it? Cilantro. What could parsley? you use instead? Yeah, you could use parsley. Like or, flat I would, leaf or, or, or I would just not even just bother. Just leave it out. Yeah, I'm with yeah. Uh, Mark on this just one. Go just, leave, just go without. Yeah, okay. yeah, it doesn't need it. I mean, if you love cilantro, it adds something. But if you can't eat it, then just Did you put a little tomato in? Uh, grill the tomatoes. You did, okay. Yeah. Oh, grill tomato, avocado, and red onion. I grill oh, I, I throw corn. Sometimes oh, yeah. so grill the corn Roasted and then corn. throw grill it in the corn or on the cob Absolutely. and then yeah. what oh is that God. powdered Mexican cheese called? Cotilla that you'd wrap roll like, like yeah. street corn and you in. Put it, you shave it, you grate, grate it, it, and then you do the street corn by rolling it oh, in. Oh, nice. that's my favorite. Oh, I know it's so oh. cool. street corn. Okay, so uh, can so I just wrong. say coming it's street stay, corn? Stay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good though because it's starch plus protein. I think that's good. So coming up in the um in the next segment, if you are into the gorgeousness of Cuba, some people say mm. Cuba. Cuba right now, Cuba. it is such a beautiful place because of Untouched. that patina of age. And, yeah. and, you know, let's face it, yes, poverty. So I don't want to, you know, make this into an Alice in Wonderland mm. story or a fairy tale. You know, that patina comes from poverty and, you know, being under-resourced. And it turns out to be gorgeous. There's a book we have coming up in the next segment that is so utterly beautiful in terms of photography and food in Cuba. Some of it fusion mixed with Mm. how would we update it in our culture. So it is really worth sticking around to see that. You're going to like some of these recipes. To keep it international, 
Alex, not so long ago, went on a trip to Spain, and uh, we were all just, we wanted to be there with him so much. Okay, Mm. so... So yeah, where'd so you go? Much fun. And so we, tell us in English. Yeah. Vale. Pues hemos empatado ya en Lisboa por el coche. So it was so funny. After five days of speaking Spanish, you know, they're, they're such happy people. We, like, had so much fun. So we flew out of JFK, landed in Lisbon, such an easy flight, rented a car. And today, all these cars have GPS, so you can't possibly get lost. And where were you T- going? Two hours Right on on the way to Sevilla from Lisbon, the very first town is called Rosal de la Frontera, and it's right next to where all the Rosal, like in red. Uh, Rosal, like as oh, in Rosal, yeah, Rosal, like street. I'm not doing my role. Yeah, Rosal, Rosal de la Frontera, and Frontera is just frontier. border, and it used to be called, which was pretty Rosal de Cristina. So this is not so far from Lisbon. Yep, so it's two hours from Lisbon, right on the Spanish border. It's a festival called Romeria. The Spanish border with Portugal? Yeah, it's the very first town in Spain. And the name is Rosal de la Frontera. And they celebrate their patron saint, which is San Isidro. And he is the saint of agriculture, the saint of laborers. So Mm -hmm. he's depicted with, like, wheat stalks and... It was the most beautiful thing I've experienced. We, and what happens in the town when you, when you get there? Well, when... Spain is famous for Andalusian horses, and they're the dancing horses that, like, you know, Ooh, lift up their beautiful. feet. Absolutely Huge beautiful. muscular necks, like braided hair on, you know, manes. And all the um, gentlemen come out with their court of the best hats, these, like, flat hats, yeah. beautiful tailored suits, and they're so, like, macho. Those like, short jackets. Yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful short jackets. Braided. And they make these ha- horses dance. And so they do this pilgrimage, and it starts off in town, and then it hikes out eight kilometers out into the countryside. And all these different families will have set up their casetas, which are equipped with refrigerators. And what and is stove. a caseta? It's like a, a portable a, kitchen, uh, like a, a tent, like a tent, <laughs> like a big enormous tent. But now they've been made more permanent. And what you do is you go from tent to tent, and the people are so happy to have you. They'll give you wine and they're drinking Montanilla, you know, like the Fino Sherry yeah. from Montanilla. Yeah. And they have all these tapas and you just... Do they, do they have to know you? It's such a small town and my grandparents are from there. Chris and I were laughing yeah. because we're, you know, we're related to everyone there. You know, you go around and they all know my mom. So but, if, if but they do not have to know you. are listening to you right now went there, they would just be No, so... they are so gracious and warm. They're so happy to have you. So you, you just walk into these tents. As an American, it feels sort of your self-conscious thinking, do I know these people? But you walk right in and they'll just give you an icy cold beer, a glass of Montanilla. They'll just put out all this food and this food just keeps coming and coming and coming. What happens is you can't eat anymore because you've just like been from all these nice. tents. You've been eating all day long, but they will not let you not eat. So they'll, whatever glass of wine they have, they'll dump it out and give you a fresh one. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the jamón ibérico comes out, the cheese comes out. You know, speaking, I know you love Spanish potato chips, but they have the most golden potato chips that are like wow. fried locally, what oh, they call yeah. like a caseta with the sea salt. And they're Ooh. fried in olive oil. Mm -hmm. They're so good. I felt like a pig. I'm like eating you like if they're watching me eat because (laughs) they're so delicious. I feel like if we go, we should just let everyone know that we are friends of Alex. Oh, we'll go together. So it was it was it starts on a Saturday with the pilgrimage. It goes all night long and then all day Sunday, all day Monday. And then you actually hike back out and there's 
tractors pulling like these floats, you know. And so by this time, Matt and I are tired. So we're sitting on the front of the float, you know, being pulled <laughs> by a tractor. And, I you hope know, you put up this. I've just got this visual. And, 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 and the, the uh, tractor, you know, these, these flatbed floats have food. So everyone's eating and drinking while you're on these floats going by. So you're not waving at people. You're just stuffing your faces. And then the horses are following us and they're in front of us and they're dancing around us. And, and all the gentlemen and, and, and Las Damas as well, they go and they, they drink their sherry on horseback. And they'll have oh, a, nice. you know, they'll elect like a mayor doma. Oh, it's so elegant. And they're such gifted equestrian people, you know, to be able to to ride around with a fino sherry glass and make with a dancing horse and not spill it. And and it's in the countryside, so it's surrounded by the olive groves and uh, cork groves. And so jamón ibérico. Jamón ibérico. In the in the country, if you can get the real thing, mm, I mean, there are people who devise ways to smuggle yeah. it into the mm-hmm. United States. But the real thing is wildly expensive. You have to go and there. You so can't get the del- real stuff. It's interesting. The pigs are these little black pigs. It's a wild boar. It's not like a big white pig that yeah, you'd yeah. see that you'd make bacon out of. It's a wild boar that's Iberian. It has coarse black hair. It's called pata negra because their little hoofs are black. They have black nails and they're you know they're black and small. Mm-hmm. They raise them free range. They are not fed. Yeah, they don't even feed them, right? They don't. They just they're forage. not fed anything. So yeah. through the summer months, they're eating grass and bugs and whatever they can find. Yeah. And then starting in the fall, they eat exclusively acorns, they're like falling from out of the a trees. cork tree. And mm-hmm. all they do is eat kilos and kilos and kilos of acorns and then they're slaughtered and the meat is cured and the and it's aged for quite some time the fat almost dissolves at room temperature so when you see a beautiful slice of jamón ibérico the fat is um this beautiful creamy white color Mm. put it in your mouth and it almost dissolves like coconut fat or butter yeah Yeah. and it smells like biota like the acorn you could spread it on toast it is oh. the most special thing. So we, mm. we're we not allowed to bring it back. So we Matt and I are eating it on the plane. And I'm like so like compulsive with liking to be clean. I'm pork covered fat. with like pork, you know, fat. He's like it's all, over, it's, it's all over like the tray. No, it's like an attic. <laughs> it, it He's is a ham attic. special, special stuff. see the picture Stand of his back, face. People. And these good, it's like good cheese. They'll have the little crystals. Mm. You'll see these little white the aging, dots yeah. from the tyrosine, mm. the amino acid. Oh my gosh, we had such a fun. This was an experience, and the people are so warm and loving. They grab you and kiss you, and there's no was violence. Was it because you were family? They're they're just loving. They're happy people. They have nothing to and be upset so about. Drunk. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> that was us, probably. They um they drink all day, so it's less binge drinking. But I think you know if we counted, steady, steady you know who, who knows. <laughs> I think wow. I broke it's, the breathalyzer. That's it. It's a perpetual oh. drinking well, day, yeah, so you know. Well, and no one's of... obviously driving. At right. This festival. No, Except no, for the guy no, no. driving the horse. No. So the Europe tractor. is Europe is incredibly the tough float. on drinking no. and driving. Yeah. And no ch- we, no we, choice. We were coming oh, no back to the village, and they they were stopping all the traffic. Yeah. And and everyone will tell you, Spaniards are very conscientious of drinking and driving, and they'll they'll tell everyone, do not yeah. drink and drive. It's part of their culture. It was really fun for us to see how loving and uh, and to see, you know, it was very transgenerational. So you see uh, the 70-year-olds teaching flamenco. It's full of song and, and guitar playing. Where you did know. you sleep? So the casetas have, have beds, and then, um, you know, so a lot of people stay there, and we stayed there. like camping. And, yeah, so they'll have a little bathroom set up, and, and you stay out. Some people don't even sleep, like my cousin uh, Miguel... <laughs> 
on Hill. I was like asking where he was going to sleep. He'll stay up all night and they'll just keep going they for laugh three at days. You sleep. We don't yeah, sleep. Yeah, he says they'll find a, they'll find a place to sleep. Well, just... so if a tourist came, where would we sleep? If you went, it's amazingly affordable. So there's some hotels and some really nice ones in the area you could stay at. But Spaniards, if you go, they will embrace you. If they see you as being a foreigner and not being comfortable or speaking the language, they have this obligation to like want to grab you and bring you into the crowd. You will be treated so well. There's something, it's just their their culture. They will not allow you to to, oh. to feel lonely so in a corner. not be involved, absolutely. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they hear that you, you know, that you're new, they will go out of their, their way, way to, to make sure that you have a special yeah. time. Absolutely. They, they like want wow. you to leave having Loved All it. right, tell us because I, I can imagine you're sitting there listening to the story. And next, we're going to we're going to take you to Cuba. <laughs> this is armchair travel. Um, say the name of this area again as we're in this final okay. minute. So the town is called Rosal de la Frontera. The festival is called Romeria. And if you go on YouTube, you can actually see some of the videos that people take. You know, it's similar to the Feria in Sevilla and some of these other... And it's in the spring every year. Always May 15th, the weekend Ah, before May 15th. Okay. So I I I know we're a little late on this, but we wanted... I just didn't want that to get away because I thought, we have to all make plans to do this next year. Very quickly, uh, Ariston Olive Oil, you know, we've talked about them on the show since they brought the olive oil here from Greece. And I mean, here to our region. They have started this new thing for stores where they're going to have this machine that mixes up the vinaigrette for you. And you you press here or you press there like for that. this much olive oil of their olive oil from Greece. That's a great Which is idea. as close to yeah. organic yeah. as you can get. Mulsifies and then their, it. yeah, and then their uh, cool. balsamics, their balsamic vinegars. In other words, they're going to supply stores with dressing centers. That's amazing. Isn't wow. that I can't a wait to brilliant see that. That, concept? That's why I love that company, because they're always thinking Aristan outside the box. olive oil. I love, oh, I I love, love that. that olive oil. That's, that's my home olive oil. All right, coming up, we have, we're going to take you armchair travel to Cuba. Some of the most beautiful photographs you've ever seen. But in in any case, we're going to talk about the food in Cuba just as they have it and we can make it here. But also, when it requires our ingredients, they do a fusion version. Okay. Um, By the way, in New Haven, there is a Cuban restaurant, Sol de Cuba. Love it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We love the local. That's why I mentioned that restaurant. Please support your local food growers and food makers for on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week. And to find all of our curated recommendations, go to foodschmooze.org. And, of course, we'll be right back. This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life, coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, of course, the Hamptons. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken. To hear the show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. 
we are going to dive into a cookbook now that we have fallen in love with. It's a new cookbook, and there are three people involved. We have among the authors Dan Goldberg, who's the photographer for this book and is a guy who really knows food. That's why we snagged him. Um, His book is called Cuba, Recipes and Stories from the Cuban Kitchen. Of course, many of us are intrigued with what's going on in Cuba, what it looks like, what's, you know, it's been such a long time where we're separated. All of this, a lot of people going there to experience it. These recipes, especially one we're going to talk about, we have them at our site. And these photographs have made me drool, not only for the food, but drool for a taste of what Cuba is really like. Among the most beautiful there's such knockout photographs. This is a coffee table cookbook, I have to tell you. It's, I don't think it's meant that way, but <laughs> so it is pretty. gorgeous, yes. absolutely gorgeous. And that's uh, to the credit of Dan Goldberg, the photographer and food guy. Welcome to the Food Schmooze. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's our, our pleasure. So, Dan, have you been going to Cuba for a long time? We've been traveling to Cuba for the past five years um, on three different trips. We've gone there and met a lot of the Cuban people, stayed in their homes, uh, started collecting recipes and doing our research and photographing their food and their culture. And a personal project with Andrea Kuhn just kind of turned into this five-year-long cookbook. And uh, here it is today. I don't care how you answer this because I'm not that way in this case. Uh, There will be plenty of chances for some people to do recipes that are strictly authentic And there will be people who do a kind of fusion where they fool with the recipes a bit to make them appeal to a traditional American market. Which are yours? You know, they're a combination of both. These recipes are from the people's homes. People invited us into their homes and gave us their recipes. They started cooking for us. I mean, complete strangers would allow us to come into their house and take pictures and ask us to stay for dinner. And then we started asking them about their food and, you know, where it came from. And so these recipes are from the locals in mainly in Havana, but some of them we've put a little bit of a twist on um, and put a little bit of our spin on as well. I'm about to talk about one with Chris because we asked Chris if he would make this, and it is the Caribbean black bean burger. Is this an authentic black bean burger, or did you uh, put your spin on it? This is authentic black beans from Cuba merged with a fusion, uh, for lack of a better term, um, with the burger. So we we put a little spin on that burger and um, gave it a little bit of our flair as well. Uh, This is a thing, though, in Cuba to serve these black bean burgers. I've eaten my share of black bean burgers. I've made them up, these recipes, myself. This is, without doubt, the most delicious black bean burger I have ever, ever had. So whatever whatever you're doing with the fusing, it's stunning. So So this is a Caribbean black bean burger with a pineapple avocado salsa. Chris, tell us how quickly it came together. Yeah, it's so easy. You take black beans, you put them in a bowl, you take a little bit out and reserve them. Are these canned? Can we use canned? I use canned, but you can use both, either or, cooked beans or canned beans. Um, You take a little bit out and you put it in a food processor, right? So you have the majority of the beans in a bowl. You add some red, diced red pepper, diced onion, garlic, some chopped cilantro, cumin, and salt, and you mix that all together. Then you take the little bit that you set aside, you throw those beans in a food processor with one egg white, and you spin it up. 
Then you combine it all together. So the egg white is the glue. The egg white is the glue, and you kind of mash it. I like they say in the recipe, it's, it's uh, satisfying to use your hands for this. So I did, and it was. And then you sprinkle in a little corn flour just to tighten it all up. And that's it. To give it a little heft. Yeah, to, and, and to hold it all together because it's a little wet with the uh, egg white. And then you form it into oh. six patties. I did them two at a time in a nonstick pan. And as they came out, right onto hamburger buns. And then it's served with this pineapple avocado salsa oh, that's just as easy. Can we talk about the salsa? The, the salsa, I would... I would... <laughs> Put it in <laughs> barrels and keep it in the house. Forget so, ketchup. And, that's, right. and there's nothing so, to that either. So chopped go, up pineapple, Yeah. Uh, chopped up avocado, and chopped up red onion. And cilantro for yeah. those and who then, like it. Yeah, cilantro, garlic, squeeze of uh, fresh lime juice, and a little drizzle of honey, and mix it all together. So that's the it. burger goes on your bun if yep. you're having a bun, and then the salsa on top if there's no bread. You just do mm. the same thing. Oh it is a meal, mm-hmm. and it is Satisfying. absolutely. Are we? We're all. It yeah. is delicious. <laughs> so yeah. good. Delicious. Dan, Dan, Dan. And everyone knows I'm not a big non-meat burger, but you're right. That is probably one of the best black bean burgers I've ever. And had. can I tell you, not only in the book, but thanks to Dan and his crew and the publisher, their generosity at our website, foodschmooze.org. Schmooze spelled like school. S e h m o o like the cow. Z e foodschmooze.org. So at our website, with information about this book, which I highly recommend. Dan, can we talk about the the lobster roll, the Cuban way, Vedado lobster roll? What does Vedado mean? Vedado is a neighborhood um, just west of central Havana where we enjoyed these lobster rolls, and it just it seemed like the perfect name for it. And how are they different from w- what the classic lobster roll is in New England? Well, their bread is different for starters. So their bread is a bit crispier, and we butter the bread and toast that, and it just gives it a really rich flavor with that lobster. Okay, and this is a lobster salad that is made with, let's go through, but for cilantro lovers, there's cilantro in here. I suppose you could substitute parsley for people who can't stand cilantro. So this is, uh, you either get the lobster meat or you're cooking up some lobsters, mayonnaise, traditional in the for people who like the cold lobster salad, fresh cilantro, uh, chopped green onions, both the white and the green part, celery diced up, the lime juice is a twist, right? Yeah, and the lime juice really gives it that hint of acid that I think makes this the perfect sandwich. Terrific. And so you would mix that up as a salad. Everybody, you know, people know how to make chicken mm. salad. <laughs> right. Just put way. these things together, chop up some lobster meat, and, and there you go. Just So their bread is more hefty. Exactly. It's a bit more hefty, but I like to butter that bread and, and toast it in a skillet and just get it nice and, and warm and, and flavorful. I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah, I am that's so how with a you proper there. lobster roll should food. be. Absolutely. We all, I mean, I do the New England lobster roll, and I first butter the outside, you know, on the on the flat side, and I toast it in a skillet, too, so I'm thrilled mm-hmm. to hear you do that. And I like the twist. I know you're a traditional. <clears throat> no, I do. Roll. Do you I, like the I twist? I love the 50, twist. I would you eat lobster care. rolls 50 <laughs> ways. I like that. So this book is like a trip to Cuba. I have to the say photographs. that. Um, so, Dan, tell me about the uh, uh, photography before we get to the mojito cake. <laughs> <laughs> which is which <laughs> has a cake. which has a rum infused whipped cream and lime zest. By the way, <laughs> it just looks so unbelievable. Um, these photographs. What did people think as you came in with? You you weren't just using natural light, right? You were. This is uh, all natural light. It's beautiful. No. Oh. 
Yeah, surreal. The, the, the light well in these homes were so beautiful and the way they funnel light through a apartment building. And we really tried to make this as natural as possible. And there's just wonderful colors and patina in Cuba. And we took, mm. took that opportunity. So there's a thing I have about Cuba, and I just want to see how you feel about this, being such a visual guy. When I go to Italy and I see that things are left, now there's not as much damage in most places as there is in Cuba, just with time, because there's been some care taken, but the faded quality from the sun and from years and use People are smart enough to leave it alone. And what would break my heart is if, as Cuba changes, people came in and tore all that down or painted over all that beautiful patina. What do you think about that, Dan? I think it will absolutely change, but I completely agree that that patina and that beauty and those years of peeling paint is what is so sexy and beautiful mm. about it. Oh, and, yes. and that, unfortunately, I think at some point when they modernize it, it will definitely lose some of oh. that, that character. And I feel like we had the great opportunity of being there at a time before it was changing. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, um, in Italy sometimes... When they change a building, they'll leave one section the way it used to be and even cover it with glass to say this is what it originally looked like in wow. respect to the past, even if they did that. I wish someone would appoint, you could do this in Cuba, yeah. <laughs> a director of aesthetics, you know, for the entire place. I, I feel um, like an interior designer needs to do a fan deck of all those colors, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So beautiful. I don't know if you could achieve it, right? Mm-hmm. It needs, it's got that patina that is real. The chipping. and the... You can't just like sandpaper off the edges and say mm-hmm. it's old, you know, it's just. Okay, beautiful. mojito cake with rum infused whipped cream and lime zest. Mm-hmm. Oh my God goodness. So uh, let me just run down the ingredients and Dan, tell us how this comes together. So uh, all-purpose flour, baking powder, salt, butter, uh, sugar, eggs, vanilla. These are the usual suspects. Lime zest, rum extract, freshly squeezed lime juice, and whole milk. Then there's going to be a lime mint syrup and the whipped cream, which has some rum in it. Go ahead, Dan. The rum-flavored whipped cream and the the lime mint syrup is so delicious. It brings me right back to Havana. And they're two of my favorite things, mojitos and and (laughs) rum. So why not make it into a dessert? Yeah. 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 So is this your creation, or do they serve this in Cuba? This is a creation from the cakes we've had and took flavors together and kind of created created this based on inspiration from Cuba. Would people in their homes make a cake like this? I think for a dinner party or for a festive event, they would, yes. Wow. Once again, at our website, and thank you, Dan and company, foodschmooze.org. Here's another one. This is Café Cubano Batido. So this is uh, combining two of Cuba's most beloved ingredients, coffee and rum. Uh, So this is a cinnamon spike drink and, uh, you know, kind of perfect for the season we're in. Go ahead. Think of a milkshake with rum in it. Um, (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm with you. When I'd get up in the morning, I'd go to the people's homes. They'd serve these tiny little Cafe Cubanos for about a penny, and they're super strong coffee, and it would be my morning ritual. And that you know, in a milkshake with the rum. And and this is a traditional Cuban recipe and and delicious on a hot day. Yeah, and so this gets put in a blender and ice goes in here. And so 
it is terrific. Although I can imagine that you could do a hot version in the wintertime, <laughs> which is really sounds good to me. Yeah, all sure. of it. I feel like you could do a dinner party using this cookbook, a Cuban-themed summer party. Mm, that hey, that's a great idea, Alex. Paint your wall. Yeah, <laughs> really, what a great idea. Okay, so Dan, before you dash, uh, by the way, that cafe. Cubano Batido, also on our website, fuchmoos.org. Dan, there is talk that goes around from people who've been to Cuba that the economy has been in rough shape to a degree in terms of food for quite a long time. And so people are only able to do so much. And you get the impression, and yet so generous when strangers come or when family comes, people somehow magically pull things together and come out with these meals. Um, so to what degree is this true? Has the economy gotten better and people can afford to cook more, more things? What, how does it work? I don't know if the economy has gotten better yet, but the people there care about their friends and family and the communities get together and they help each other out and they cook for each other. And they, there's a doctor in the neighborhood and a mechanic and they all share their their trades with one another and and they care about living in the moment and their time with each other and so they they cook together and eat together and um, spend their time together and really enjoy the moment and so um, there's a lot of breaking bread with people and a lot of enjoying meals together and they're not necessarily fancy meals but they're super simple like Mm. you know the rice and beans and and just really good simple food. I like that. And I like this idea of that it's it's about the sense of communion with other people yeah. and nourishment too, with the deliciousness of simplicity, all of it together. I just really like that. I mean, when we go to Italy, I think that's a lot of what we enjoy. Absolutely. So, so same thing. Uh, well, I've, I saw your paella and when your, your head's on the pillow at night, do you think to yourself, can't wait to get back to Cuba to have X? What's the X? The beans are probably my favorite black beans in the entire world and it's just oh. simple um wow i won't lie because i love i love their rum and, and their <laughs> mojitos as well um but honestly the simple black beans are something i crave on a regular basis I, that is something and you're are you a vegetarian absolutely not oh wow okay isn't that something hey thank you so much for your generosity your talent especially and to your uh your teammates here, Andrea Kuhn and Jody Eddy. The book is called Cuba, Recipes and Stories from the Cuban Kitchen. Thank you so much for being with us, Dan. Thank you, Faith, and thanks for giving me this opportunity to talk to you guys about the recipes in the book. We are on WNPR Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes. You know the slogan, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little party in your life, we're here and online all the time at foodschmooze.org. And of course, also on Facebook at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.